0: Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's
1: a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated.
2: This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status, in recognition of their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Welcome, Powerful Nonsenses. Hello. We are back in a rather compromising
1: position. I feel quite intimate with you right now.
2: Uh, one of our one of our microphones has, uh, well, the cable. Given up. It's given up on life. It's so. been getting too much uh,
1: hard usage. Hey, steady. <laughs>
2: um, so we're, we're now very close to each other's faces. Again. Again. <laughs> As we're recording this introduction for you, for another interview. We're on a roll with these interviews. Another interview episode, another two-parter uh, with... Mr. Kyle Whiney. But before we go there, if you're listening for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram.
1: I am Jem Yodis.
2: And we are the Powerful Nonsense crew. Um, so, Kyle Whiney, writer of Hackiversity, uh, subject very close to our kind of hearts. Shall we go with hearts? We'll go yeah. with hearts. Um, all about making the most of the uh, university life. Um, and using, uh, networking and using, uh, self hacks, life hacks, etc., etc., to kind of capitalize on the university life. Uh, so Jem managed to get a hold of him, mm-hmm. drag him into the Skype studio, <laughs> um, and get an interview on the go. So, uh, we'll go straight into it. It's another two parter. So stick around next week. Well, don't stick around for the whole week. Cause that'd be, that'd be silly. It's a long wait. Uh, it's a long wait. Um, but come back next week and you'll get part two but for now here's part one with Kyle Whiney so we're very excited to be here with Kyle Whiney author and lawyer
1: mm-hmm.
2: author of Hackiversity
1: we like a good hack which is
2: an awesome name by the way Kyle for a book you was a bit cool. jealous Thank that you, you actually came up with that we was like we won
0: that title <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, oh, sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I read uh, there's this great book called The 21 Immutable Laws of Marketing. And I was like, you know, how can I dominate just one word in an industry? And mm-hmm. so I was like, uh, let's, let's adopt hack. And uh, so, you know, that's what I'm trying to do is uh, when people think about education and uh, mm-hmm. productivity, I want them to think of the word hack and then I want them to think of all things hackiversity related. People do love a good hack, biohacking,
1: hack.
2: sleep hacking.
1: Life hacking. life hacking, sex yep. hacking, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound too good for that though. <laughs> um, so what was it that um, kind of inspired you to, to write the book, Carl?
0: Yeah. Well, so I came from a, a relatively small town um, in central Pennsylvania in the States mm-hmm. and uh, my father was a construction worker and he never went to college. And my mother uh, was a nurse, and so uh, her college career track was uh, hyper-tracked. Um, you know, there was n- not a lot of flexibility. It was just you're going to be a nurse, and so you have to kind of check off the boxes. Yeah. And so I went to college, and I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do, and my father had never gone, so he didn't really have much advice for me. And my mother was, like I said, in a very narrow college track, and so she didn't really have that much advice for me. And certainly the school district that I came from uh, didn't have any college advisors because we were so small. And so I didn't really know what to do. And uh, you know, my family was just like, look, study hard, get really good grades and everything will take care of itself. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, I went to college, I studied really hard and I, I got great grades and I graduated at the top of my class. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, I did everything I was supposed to do. I, everyone promised that this approach to college works. So show me the jobs right show, and me, the money. show me the money
1: and did so- you did you do what uh, most people do where you like googled which were which uh careers would be the most uh biggest payouts because i know a lot of people when they have no idea what they want to do at university that's the first thing they turn to is google and then like average salaries for x and then that's how they go about picking was you was you one of those
0: no, so I actually didn't do that. I actually started off in the College of Education, so another piece of advice I got was follow your passion, which is actually really bad advice, and, and here's why. Um, I knew I was really passionate about history. I've always loved history, but I didn't, you know, what do you do with a history degree? And so I was like, I don't know, and the only thing I guess I can That's really, really think place. of is <laughs> is is to teach history. And so um, then I started off in the College of, of Education, but I realized, you know, after about, gosh, you know, my second week of class, I'm like, I don't want to teach kids the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. so um, I was like, I, I don't know, you know, history teaching is not for me. And so then I transferred into business, the business school, because I've always loved business. Um, I just kind of tried to fumble my way through college. And like I said, it was all premised on this idea of working really hard. Um, but then one of my fraternity brothers was in uh, the College of Business with me. I went to, to Penn State for undergrad. Um, and he was one of the biggest slackers I knew in college. So he would <laughs> stay up really late at night watching movies, and he would sleep in really early in the mornings because he's up all night watching movies. Or um, he, he, he'd—I'm uh, sorry—he would sleep in all morning because he's up late uh, watching movies. And then he was also one of the best FIFA soccer game video. Uh, Xbox players that I knew. So he he crushed <laughs> FIFA on Xbox. And the reason why was because he skipped class all the time to play FIFA. And uh, so anyway, I'm looking at him and I'm like, gosh, you're doing everything quote unquote wrong. You know, you're, you're sleeping in, you're staying up late, you're not going to class. Um, that's, not the, that's not the right approach. But yet, he ultimately was getting job offers from Wall Street, which is exactly where I wanted to work after I transferred into the College of Business. And so I didn't understand how paradoxically my quote-unquote right college approach did not lead to the results that everyone promised that it did. Mm. And, and his kind of laxadaisical quote-unquote, wrong college approach got precisely the dream job that everyone wanted, including me. And so right. I, didn't get, I didn't get that. Um, and so what I realized was that I was really good at doing the wrong things at college and he figured out what the things were at college that generated just incredible productivity and results. Um, and so that's what I wanted to do. I want to show students, you know, what those things were, um, what, what the things were that matter most at college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a result, how you can kind of minimize student loans, maximize job prospects and kind of reduce overall stress at college.
2: So what you're saying is, if if students read your book, they too can be masters at FIFA,
0: <laughs> whilst a uni- That's Exactly right. That's exactly right. So much free time, right? Right. So much, fun, <laughs> and they can work on Wall Street. Well, I mean, what, what more could anyone want? <laughs> That's it. What's in the dream.
2: So, um, what? Just to kind of, um, dip our toes in the water a little bit. What What do you think were the the main things that he picked up on? Um, that were sort of maximum
0: leverage. Yeah. So he did two things really, really well. Um, he was a master networker. So and he just didn't he just didn't network with anyone. Um, he was networking with people inside his industry. So I think a lot of people kind of float through the networking game. They think that just knowing people in general is good enough. And he was a master at kind of identifying who he needed to know and how he go, he could go about actually knowing them. Um, so he was really great at that. Um, he identified people within the high finance industry, um, networked with them and then that ultimately led into the second thing, which he was really good at, um, which was internships. So he got really practical job experiences during college, Actually, really early into the college game, um, and then when it came time for graduation, um, there wasn't really this kind of onboarding process that needed to be mm-hmm. done because he had really all the the practical kind of on-the-job training experiences necessary to seamlessly transition in. And so that's exactly what he did. And you know, when when similar employers would look at me, they'd go, "Gosh, you know, Kyle, you have a, a really high GPA, you have great grades, but you know, you you don't have any kind of." finance experience in the industry you know um you certainly have never worked here before and so that that onboarding process was much more i guess um uh rigid for me mm. and uh you know that that deterred employers from wanting to hire me
2: yeah i, I think it's the, the the challenge uh that most people kind of face after university i know both me and jim uh went through kind of the same process of kind of getting out of uni being like right we, we're trained now we know what we're doing. And then the job market going, yeah, but you don't really know what you're doing, do you? Um, and, I, and I think what happens with so many people in their mindset is, I'll go to university and then the challenge is to find a way in. Whereas actually really university's main value is actually being the way in itself during the training. And I, I guess that's that's where most people
1: misplace their um, their intent with uni, I think. Yeah, I was exactly the same as well. I did exactly like you, Carl. I just studied so hard as well. I got the top grades I could get. I got a first while I was at university. And then you kind of think, well, I'm going to come out. And then because I've got the best grade, people are going to be begging for me. And then you hear about someone who didn't maybe get the top grades, but their dad happens to know somebody or they made a connection. And I think that's the, that's what I think is really key about what you're saying here is this idea that actually, you have to have that onboarding plan while you're at university
0: yeah that's Especially right you know, into and, a row anyway, yeah, and you know I had just to kind of piggyback off of that, um, I felt exactly the same way. I felt like employers would actually be so impressed with me, not not the other way around that I actually had to convince them to hire me, but they would be so impressed with me that someone like me with my, you know, my age could come to them with such a dazzling GPA that they would say, gosh, Kyle, what a great GPA. You must be so smart. I'm going to hire you right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually thought that's the way it worked um, because that's kind of what the whole academic system in America kind of leads you to believe. You know, Mm -hmm. it's all based on grades. It's all based on how you perform academically. And so I was like, well, this is kind of the payoff, Um, but it's totally not. It's totally no. not.
1: I think what you said in your book, I think there's a point where you make where you say it's kind of like it's not about being the smart. It's actually ha- how valuable are you to that company? And I think what mm-hmm. you say there is like, how do you become a sort of plug-in-and-play student or graduate that actually as soon as you arrive in the company, you're already providing them value rather than actually the value is that your mum's pleased with you because you got the best grade.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right, right? Because at the end of the day, it's about getting a job. It's about um, making money at least, um providing for yourself, providing for your family. And um grades just don't do that, right? And mm-hmm. so you need to, to bring a a practical skill set into the marketplace that someone wants to pay for. And um yeah, so it doesn't matter what your mom thinks, it doesn't matter what your your sister thinks or your teacher or your professor. It matters whether or not the marketplace cares.
2: Yeah, exactly. exactly. You mentioned about bringing a valuable skill set to the workplace. And you also mentioned quite early on that you think following your passion is very bad advice, which I think is because the two points are kind of linked. So I was just wondering if you could dive into why you think following your passion is really bad advice.
0: Yeah, sure. So let me first start out by saying that I think uh, passion is a critical, critical ingredient to success, uh, but it's not a sufficient one. So I think it kind of goes into the whole pot of success along with some other things like, what are you good at? Does the marketplace even care that you're good at these things? All those are elements of success. But I think what a lot of people do mistakenly is they say, well, I'm not even going to think about whether or not the marketplace cares about what I'm doing, I'm not even going to think about um, whether or not I'm actually good at what I'm doing. All I'm going to think about is whether or not I genuinely like to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think if that is your sole kind of north star, you know, your sole compass point, um, you're not going to do well because it's going to take you to places where um, you shouldn't be. So, you know, I uh, I love to read, right? But I would never. Want to become a professional reader because mm-hmm. I don't know they make zero dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, th- there's more to to life, there's more to success, there's more to college uh, than just following your passion. Albeit passion is super critical to success, um, but like I said, it has to be um, it has to be executed along with a bunch of other things.
1: Yeah, and you say that in the book about the idea that if you're not if it's something that doesn't fit the market, then you've got a hobby there. Which is quite a good point to make, but I also think a lot of people get tied up and thinking that actually passion is a thing that is like stagnant. Once you've got it, it's there. But actually, you also mentioned that actually it's something that's fluid. And I think a lot of the time, passion grows from feedback. It means you're getting results in something. So somebody starts paying you, you become more passionate about creating something or doing something. So I think that's a good point that you make in the yeah, book. Cool, thanks.
2: Yeah, and I suppose I suppose it's about that feedback loop, isn't it? As you say, it's great to ha- be passionate about something, but if you're if you're no good at it, then it's all the passion in the world's not really gonna gonna save you in many ways. Yeah. But but I suppose following because for me, like I'm an actor, um, and so I had always always been kind of interested in that side of things, but it wasn't something that I considered a career until. I was at school and getting top marks in that and then being f- kind of fed, I suppose, by the teachers being <laughs> like, you should, you should pursue this. And I, I get there's Sometimes it's quite easy to, to, I mean, you see it with all these reality TV shows like X factor and things like that, where, uh, you know, they, they assume they're good at it cause they really love it, but just loving it isn't enough to be really right. good at it.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I think there's something to, to be said about, um, passion and success kind of feeding off itself. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you follow your passion, I, I guess, along with some other things like we are talking about, and you're actually getting great feedback on it, you're, you're uh, achieving results, you're achieving success, that builds upon itself. And then um, you know, it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways, uh, kind of like what you were mentioning. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like, gosh, I'm even more passionate about this because I'm, you know, the success that, that's coming along with that just kind of reinforces that passion so I think they they really feed up off of one another but like I said that's why you have to kind of construe passion along with strengths along with Mm. um, kind of what the marketplace wants um, all those things so passion in a vacuum I think is super dangerous Uh, but when you construe it like I said more broadly along with those other elements that we've been talking about Mm. it is uh, you know it's a great tool for success
2: yeah and I guess that's where and you you talk a lot about this, I think that's really where self awareness is such an important kind of aspect of um first of all, choosing what you're going to do at university or college or whatever um and then also what you then choose to do with that after the fact
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I think self awareness is. The most lacking attribute in the whole university process. Um, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people kind of get to step two, um, which is actually executing on the college game. And they say, OK, yeah. well, what I need to do is figure out where I want to go and what I'm going to major in and who I'm going to network with. And no, that's step two. First, you have to figure out what you're, you're going to do. That's, that's the how, right? That's the executing on on the what. And um, you know, a lot of people they don't take time to do that, and uh, the reason why I think is because you don't see immediate feedback from that. You know, if you mm. figure out what your strengths are, what your passions are, that is an indispensable tool for success. But you're not necessarily getting a paycheck at the end of the week for doing that, right? And no. so I think <laughs> I think a lot of people just put that off and they start executing, but that's really step two. Um, and I, th- I think that's why you see so many people kind of fumble their way through college because they don't really know what they're doing. They just they're kind of in this system because everyone said that they have to be. Yeah. Um, but but they don't really know why they don't really know where they're going. And that's why so many people get lost in college. And frankly, after they graduate, because they don't really know where they're going or why they're they're going there in the first place.
1: And what sort of practical tips could you give to someone who is probably considering going to university Um, In terms of having that awareness or because a lot of time as well, you get like a lot of young people who say, look, I'm going to take a year out. And obviously, that's an ideal time to kind of experiment and kind of gain that self-awareness. Is there any sort of advice you'd give?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, look, there are a a ton of easy, cheap Uh, quick ways to get feedback. You can take self-assessment tests. Uh, I love strength finders. Uh, That's a great one. But I I really think the gold standard is to actually get out in the world and do whatever you think you want to do. I don't Mm -hmm. think that there's any substitute for actually doing and immersing yourself in the environment. So for instance, like you said, I'm a lawyer. And so if there are other students out there who are like, gosh, I wonder what it's like to be a lawyer." Well, stop guessing. Stop speculating. Stop reading about lawyers. Stop, um, you know, don't listen to me. Go out and work for a lawyer for, you know, three months or or whatever. Um, Mm. Go actually out there and test. And if you don't like what the law experience was and what the legal industry is like, well, then do something else. You know, you're only out three months of your life and when, you know, like over here in the States, people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school. And so, you know, I look at these people and I'm like, look, if you just would have taken three months out of your life to actually test at Mm. the beginning of your college experience whether or not you wanted to do this, um, you wouldn't have accrued all this money for a profession that you don't want in the first place. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think also just doing that also makes the rest of the process of being at university and after the fact being a lot easier, because if you spend that time immersing yourself in that profession, whether that be just as somebody making tea for the people in that environment, you're going to learn a lot about the subject itself, which means that actually getting the better grades should come easier to you. That's not to say that you will necessarily get top grades, but it will make the, make it easier. And then also you've, you've by osmosis generated a bit more of a network. So once you come out of university or college, you've then got the network that you can go to and be like, hey, remember me? Um, I'm now qualified. Um, is there anything, Guys, any tips that, you can give?
0: That, what you just said is pure gold and that is the way to approach college um, because – you need to narrow down the universe of things that matter to you which is exactly what you're saying who are the people that matter to what i'm doing um what what are the industries what are the majors that really matter to what i'm doing it's Again, it's about self-awareness. And when you answer these questions, you can develop an entire college career around executing on those things inside your, your personal universe. But you first need to figure out what those things are inside the universe. And, mm. and again, it comes back to self-awareness. And, and like you're saying, if you can define those parameters, then everything, at, everything else at college just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm. And you can stop wasting your time doing things that don't matter. Mm. That's the I, game. That's I the some- game.
1: I sometimes wonder as well whether people put off, because it makes so much sense, it seems like common sense to kind of go and try out the thing that you're going to spend, like you say, a hundred grand on, or you're going to spend the next three years of your life. I wonder sometimes if people are worried that the thing that they think they should do, because everyone feels like they need to know what it is they're doing and feel like they have a direction. But if I go, like, I remember when I did my media course, my media production course, and I was like, well, I'm at the end of it, I'm definitely going straight into film and television, but I never throughout the whole thing decided to even go and... I did a few bits of running here and there, but I didn't get immersed enough because at the same time, you kind of don't want to then do it and then suddenly think, oh, actually, this isn't what I really want to do. And then it's kind of, you're worried that then you don't have a course and it'd be like, okay, now I'm going to start from a blank slate. At least I've got a little bit of hope that I'm going to go into this. But I guess that's that sort of, how long are you going to put off kidding yourself? And is it better just to kind of, Straight away, no. I don't know. It's just for me, I think sometimes people want to feel like they have that direction. And if they find out that it's not actually what they hope, then suddenly they're in this zone where, oh, God, I'm starting with a blank slate, which is also quite scary.
0: Well, I don't think starting I don't think this idea of experimentation and generating rapid, quick and cheap feedback is kind of being lost at sea, I think that is a, an approach in and of itself. And I think it is the approach in the modern economy. I, I think just there there's kind of been this conventional wisdom where, you know, you, you have to break down your life into like, you know, five or 10 year chunks. And if you're not executing on checking off that five year chunk, um, that's you're you're kind of lost at sea. You, you don't have a life game plan. Um, and I, I just don't think that's true anymore. And frankly, I think that if you if you approach life that way, um, you're really destined for failure. And and so here's what I mean. And I I call it the script, right? So it's this idea that the beginning part of your life is dedicated to going to kindergarten to uh, 12th grade. And then after that, you, you have another kind of five-year chunk, four-year chunk um, where you go to college. And then after that, you know, there's this kind of like five-year chunk where you, you build up to buy a, or you save up to buy a home. And it, it, it's this whole script, right? And if you um, – are in that game without some kind of rudder, like we're talking about with some mm. kind of self awareness as to where you're going, you're going to get lost. And so I, I, I want people to kind of change their mind that you don't have to live life in five t- or 10 year chunks that approaching life in three month intervals, I think is great. And, uh, mm. I, 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 I don't think that, um, saying, Hey, we're going to pivot here really quickly in life, um, is a a bad approach at all. Because like I said, I think that is a secret sauce that helps you find your way uh, faster than ever before.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Um, so you talk a lot. So, so you've, you've decided you're going to go to uni, you're, you've decided what you want to do, um, for better or worse. And then you, you show up at uni and then you, get kind of sucked into the university lifestyle. And one of the things that you mentioned in the book, which actually really piqued my interest in, and this is something that that I think me and Jem have said, if, if we knew at uni what we know now, we'd go back and do it so, so differently. And yeah. you talk about this idea of um, building your lifestyle, um, letting the lifestyle you want define how you live your life at uni rather than the uni lifestyle dictating the lifestyle that you lead while mm-hmm. you're in uni. Yeah. And, and that's a really interesting concept that that I really, again, it was one of those things that I was like, oh, yeah, I'd go back and do things so differently.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, like a uh, legal profession is a great example. So um, it's it's no secret that over here in the States that there's a, a disproportionately high amount of lawyers who suffer from alcoholism and the reason why is because it 's a super stressful um, industry. Um, there seems to be emergencies popping up every single day and mm-hmm. uh, it, it just creates a really stressful environment but of course, no one tells you that before <laughs> p- pursuing uh, the legal profession and yeah. so but that is a critical element of your career because you know mm. how how much time do you have to be at the office in life? Um, do you have the flexibility to take uh, a week off, if you would like. Um, like, for instance, I'm getting ready to uh, get married and we want to go on a honeymoon. And so it's actually really difficult for me to step away from my work for even one week because there's a yeah. there's a bunch of deadlines and there's real consequences in our judicial system over here in America if if these deadlines aren't met. And so mm-hmm. uh, but of course, no one tells you that. Right. And But those are those are real consequences to to my life and um, to my happiness and and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So that's why I think that people need to know on the front end what kind of lifestyle their career path is going to lead to before they actually go down that career path.
2: Yeah, we talk about this all the time. I mean, we talk to, to students and obviously uh, other listeners who are graduates and whatever. And, um, you know, we, we say this all the time. It's, it's like the major cornerstone of, of our podcast and, and the way that, that we talk about things here, which is all about lifestyle first. And we always talk about, particularly with things like law and accountancy and whatever, often people are guided down those paths by the system because they're told that, well, there's a lot of money in it. And you mentioned in the book, and it's something we bring up on the podcast all the time, that there's only a finite amount of money that you'll earn that will increase your happiness. And after that point, it then just, it doesn't make any difference anymore. And, and so then it then becomes a a decision about more money or a better lifestyle and, Mm and, and, more money doesn't always equate a better lifestyle. And so, you know, if you're going to be spending nine hours a day, six days a week in a job, but you're earning loads of money, are you going to be happier than the person that's only working three days a week earning half as much? And yeah. it's, and it's that, that payoff that you have to navigate. And I think sometimes people get so far down the rabbit hole before they actually realise that that's the payoff that they're making
0: hmm. I, I think that's exactly right. I, I think that there's significant diminishing returns to money after you reach a certain threshold. And uh, like you said, I don't think people even consider that. They just say, I need bigger numbers. I need bigger salaries. I need yeah. bigger checks. Um, yeah. And it's like, at what cost, right? At what cost are you going to give up more of your time, more of your life, more of your your personal well-being? Um, there's a there's a trade-off there, and mm. I don't think I don't think people um, account for that trade-off nearly as much as they need to. So I think what you guys are doing through podcast is great because lifestyle is such a critical part to life, and mm. it's one of it's also one of the most neglected parts of life.
2: Yeah. And what are you doing to kind of, because obviously, as you say, you're in a very, very stressful, uh, uh, industry. So what is it that you're doing to, to mitigate against that?
0: Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, gosh, uh, you know, so I, I, uh, love to, to practice meditation. Um, Mm. that kind of stuff, um, really helps me, kind of pull back from the noise and uh, kind of more center myself. Um, So I I love doing that kind of stuff. I love uh, quiet time. Um, And I think another thing that I've really come to embrace um, is letting uh, small bad things happen. And so, you know, I'm kind of very much a type A driven guy and previously I was like, gosh, I can't let any bad thing happen. You know, it it all has to be perfect. And, you know, there's just too many uh, plates spinning in the air. There's too many irons in the fire to have that actually be realistic anymore in my life. And so Mm -hmm. it's really about kind of uh, damage control almost. And, you know, bad things are going to happen. But... It's, it's not the end of the world. So like, for instance, maybe I forget to pick up my dry cleaning on time, so I have to pay an extra $10, right? Before mm-hmm. that, I would have been like, oh, I don't want to pay extra $10, um, I'll just pick up my dry cleaning on time. But sometimes I just get super busy, and right. you know, paying that extra $10 is perfectly fine. And so it's, again, it's about trade-offs, it's about just letting things happen, um, happen that aren't really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things.
2: Yeah. And it's actually, you just made me think of your mate at uni playing FIFA. (laughs) It'll be fine, right? right?" (laughs) And and, and I, I guess I think particularly the relationship with, with money and stress, I think is a really interesting one. And the more and more I've kind of realized that actually sometimes, uh, it's, it's just better just to pay a little bit more like, Uh, pay a monthly fee for a service that's just going to save you just a few hours a month and you just think well you know five pounds five dollars or whatever for for a few hours is actually nothing and i think sometimes people get so wrapped up on the oh well i don't want to spend that extra amount because that's hard-earned money but aren't necessarily looking at the value exchange and like with your with your dry cleaning or whatever is you know, you could pick it up on time, but then you could be really, really stressed because then you've you've got more pressure to meet these deadlines or whatever, whereas actually just paying that extra $10 or whatever is, it just mitigates that stress for you, as you say.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's, look, life is about trade-offs. And uh, I think... You know that 's what i try to, to make clear in my book is that you know with college it 's about trade offs how are you going to invest your time and uh, you know if you invest your time in certain ways, that produces certain results, but if you invest it in others, that produces other results and it 's about kind of maximizing um, the benefit of all those trade offs so life is about trade offs and so is college
1: <laughs> yeah Carl, one of the questions I got if you just because i 'm curious is is um <clears throat> is hackaversity sort of like an experiment for you is it something that you've looked at this lifestyle you've got, you're saying you're getting married. Is it something now you're kind of delving in to see if, hey, is this another avenue for me in terms of a career or an entrepreneurial venture? Or is this literally just a little side gig? Or are you treating this like a free month Or I'd just like to get, yeah, where you're kind of try, trying to take Hackaversity.
0: a Yeah, absolutely. So my goal, guys, is to, I want to disrupt uh, career services. And so what we have right now in the States is we have a bunch of, 60, 50, 40 year olds that have played the college game 20, 30, 40 years ago. And they are completely out to lunch with how to advise current Mm. uh, college students for the new economy. And the results are devastating. We have people taking on debt they can never repay for jobs that they don't even want. And, um, it's just, it's just crazy to me. It's just absolutely Mm. crazy. And so, um, I want to build hackaversity out to where I can uh, build a platform that provides college students with real practical and relevant advice so they don't have to go to these kind of established entrenched people in career services who have absolutely no idea what they're talking about um, so that's that's my goal for hackaversity um, again um, I, I, I I know that there's a a ton of upside here because so many students need to know what is really going on in the new economy and how they can excel as a result. And uh, they're just not getting that kind of um, feedback and and response from the current resources available. Yeah. You're you're fighting the same battle as us. Yeah, Yeah, I was
1: just about
2: to say, that's pretty much the same reason we started the podcast. We, We spent, I think it was about two years before we... After we'd graduated before we started the podcast, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of the same things that we were noticing. It was kind of this idea that we'd come out of university being told well if you as you say, if you work hard and you get the good grades you you 'll be fine and then you mm-hmm. come out and it 's a realization that actually the job market's not there to sus- sustain that because now everybody's got the same level of qualifications, and you can either feed into the next level of qualifications master's degrees, et cetera et etc but mm-hmm. you 're only then Creating the same problem just higher up um and much of the same, we were noticing that a lot of the advice that we'd been given uh in terms of becoming more employable was actually not that solid because the world has shifted so much in the last ten years um that 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 it's that the the advice that worked ten years ago is is just no longer around. handicapping people basically yeah
0: yeah yeah it that that's exactly right, and you know I'm looking at the trends and those conventional wisdom, as I call it, which is exactly what you're saying. Go to college, go to university, study really hard, get really great grades, and everything will take care of itself. There are more and more people playing that game, and as a result, it's generating less and less results. Here's a great example. You talked about everyone having college degrees now. That is absolutely true. Think about it like this. College education is expanding on a global scale with mm-hmm. education technology platforms coming online. There are right now, as a result of, of all this expansion, 150 million college graduates in the world. That is the population of Russia. So think about it like this. The, the entire population of, of Russia having a, a credential that is exactly like you have. And those same people, thanks to globalization, can compete for those exact same jobs. So, you know, you are competing with so many people if you're playing that game with Mm -hmm. the same credential. And basically, you have one of two options. It's either you you work so much harder to try to get above the fray, uh, which, of course, provides nominal payback, or you can just not try and get crushed by everyone else who, um, has a slightly better edge than you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just look at this game and you're like, gosh, um, do I really want to play this game anymore? Because it's, you know, like you said, the, what are you going to do? Work harder, you know, go to graduate school, take on more debt. It's just, it's insane, right? Cause it, it produces mm-hmm. this arms race almost. And yeah. so, and so I'm like, there's there's a different way to play this game that doesn't require everyone going through the same door. Because if you do that, you're going to lose. Everyone else is, to, is going through that same door too.
2: So there you are. That is part uno.
1: One, for translation purposes. Yes, thank you. Or ein. Or, or un. Or bir, Turkish. Ah. There okay. you go. You
2: see, I don't know any Turkish whatsoever, but now I do. What was it?
1: Bir. Like, like beer. beer. Like beer. Yeah, a bit like that, but less beery, just like beer. Beer. Yeah. Oh, that was Ooh, good, actually. Thanks. Thanks. Maybe we should start a podcast on um, languages. On
2: particularly the Turkish language.
1: Just, just, the, just the number one.
2: <laughs> we <laughs> in just every do language. number one <laughs> in, in every each language. Episode. Yeah. Different. different. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a very short podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was part one of our interview with Kyle Winey, um, author of Hackiversity. Um, before we get to part two next week, might be worth checking out his book, or book.
1: That was probably a translation but was, was that? That, that was a
2: Liverpudlian
1: book. Translation, right? Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> which is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Hackiversity, like university, but hack on the middle.
1: Mm-hmm. On the middle, on the beginning. Somewhere in there.
2: Somewhere in there. Maybe we shouldn't do a podcast about languages. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can just about speak English. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but so uh, check that out. Also, if you do us a massive favour, as always, please leave us an iTunes review. Helps get the podcast out in front of other people's faces or ear holes or whatever part of the human anatomy. <laughs> and if you, have, <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you have any other friends who are going to university or at university, mm. send them a link to this because I'm pretty sure they'll want to pick up the book. And I wish I had this book.
2: Yeah, before me I too. went to university, me too. I've actually said to people before, if I could go back and do uni again, that would no, be the handbook. No, no. That no. would be the Bible. It would be the Bible. Well, not the Bible, because we don't want to offend anyone. But it would be. It'd be close.
1: It'd be a, close. U- a useful
2: book. A very, very useful book.
1: Just <laughs> uh, <so check> like <laughs> <out>. the Bible. <laughs> and
2: um, yeah, we'll leave it there. So uh, check out the book. I reviews, and we'll catch
1: you. Next. See you later.